I'm Russell Real with Real Hog Farms in Marion, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas sheep and lamb producers enjoyed very good prices during the first half of last year. But as the year wore on, those prices dropped lower. So will we see a rebound here in 2023? We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We know that in the coming season, there will be a lot of corn, cotton, and sorghum grown in the Texas High Plains. But our region's water situation is perhaps a good reason to consider some alternative crops. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Truth in labeling legislation in the Texas legislature aims to clarify for consumers the meaning of food product labels in grocery stores. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from the bill's author, on Texas Ag Today. After a dreary winter, we get anxious about our warm season perennial pastures and hay meadows. We are going to talk about the right time to fertilize our warm season pastures and hay meadows. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. A year ago, Texas sheep producers were enjoying great lamb prices, but as the year wore on, those prices backed down. Texas A&M Livestock Marketing Specialist David Anderson says it was all a matter of demand. Lamb demand and consumption really benefited in the pandemic. A lot of folks were working from home. They went to the store. They tried a lot of new things, and they tried a lot of lamb. And so we really had a boom in demand. And now we're moving back to our more normal patterns of consumption and what we're buying. And that's kind of backed us back towards normal. But the big thing, I think, is the overall economy. And as inflation has hit folks and we got folks with a real budget constraint, a squeeze on their income as other costs go up, uh, you know, that's led to really fewer purchases of lamb. So will we see lamb prices improve here in 2023? But I think the positive thing is land prices have begun to increase by late in uh, 2022. We've seen some rebound. And, and so I think, I think there's some hope there on the, for folks producing sheep and lambs that we're going to see some better prices in 2023 than, than what we had in the second half of 22. Texas A&M's David Anderson. Sheep aren't the only livestock that are looking for higher prices here this year. Cattle prices have made a nice jump higher, too. Cattle producers like Michael White of Vernon, Texas, are glad to see the market take a jump. As long as that demand will stay up there for the product, I think I think the future looks pretty bright in the next few months for 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 cattle. We uh, especially, I think you'll there'll be a tremendous market for for replacements on the replacement side of, of the business. 
White says he did make a small reduction in cattle numbers to get through the drought last year, but it wasn't as drastic as many cattle producers had to make. Internal parasites in cattle are becoming more resistant to the dewormers that are on the market. Dr. Tom Hairgrove, extension veterinarian for Texas A&M AgriLife, is currently doing a study to see just how bad cattle parasite resistance is here in Texas. Most of it would be resistance to one class, right? And so, and that, and that's the, that's the the whole thing. Is right now the thoughts are maybe if we use two drugs together, not rotating them, but using them together, and the, the FC of one will overcome some of the resistance of the other. Dr. Hairgrove says that's a strategy currently being tried in both the cattle and sheep industries. Texas High Plains farmers may consider alternative crops this year. James Hunt tells why. Typically, when we talk about how farmers in our area divvy up their acres, we're talking about how much they're planting in the way of corn, cotton, and sorghum, the principal summer crops for our area. But what about sunflowers, hemp, and even strawberries? Those are among the crops that will be discussed at the High Plains Alternative Crops Conference coming up Tuesday in Stratford. Dennis Coker is an extension agent for agronomy with Texas A&M AgriLife. Coker says the primary driver for having the conference is the situation our region's farmers face with water, both its declining availability and the cost of pumping it. Some of these crops we may be talking about, whether it's other forage species or uh, sunflowers, or even industrial hemp for fiber purposes, some of those, you know, are maybe going to use less water and maybe their peak times of needing water are a little offset from what some of the other crops like corn and cotton are. So there's several points of variation in there that could help with water savings or make it easier for uh, the pumping aspects. And then uh, in some cases, there's a possibility for maybe improved returns on investment if you're not having to spend as much money for uh, pumping water. And the economics of raising alternative crops will be part of a wide-ranging discussion at the High Plains Alternative Crops Conference, which is being hosted by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and Oklahoma State University Extension. That's Tuesday, February 28th at the Sherman County Barn in Stratford. The event begins at 9 a.m. It's free to attend and a lunch will be provided. Contact AgriLife for more information. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A truth in labeling bill is being considered in the current state legislative session. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today from the state capitol is Representative Dr. Brad Buckley of Salado in Central Texas. Representative Buckley, uh, you have introduced House Bill 1788, uh, a truth in labeling bill as it pertains to a deceptive labeling of food products to influence consumers to purchase the products. What does your uh, legislation focus on to better uh, ensure truth in labeling? It's important to talk about this issue for for Texas uh, farmers and ranchers and Texas agriculture and and really what we seek to do uh, uh, with our bill is is pretty simple. It's just uh, it's accuracy and and truth in labeling so that consumers understand what they're purchasing and that they can be assured that the, the product in front of them is what they what they believe to be purchasing. And uh, you know it's it's very simple. It, it's a bill of definitions. Uh, it's a bill that uh, that 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 makes it clear uh, that in Texas, if you know, as technology advances and and um, you know, innovation uh, drives the market, that consumers will be able to tell very easily by reading the label 
exactly what they are, what they're purchasing for themselves and their families. And this uh, specifically addresses alternative uh, products uh, to be clearly labeled with uh, terms such as analog, meatless, or plant-based, correct? That is correct. Yes. Uh, analog, meatless, plant-based, made from plants, or a similar qualifying term or disclaimer intended to clearly communicate to a consumer the contents of the product. That says it all. That is reading directly from the bill. That is something that, that I think is really uh, unambiguous, and it'll provide a, a tremendous resource for consumers to understand uh, what they're purchasing. That is State Representative Brad Buckley. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It may be the end of February, but pastures will start to green up before we know it. So when is the best time to fertilize those warm season pastures and hay meadows? Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson has some tips. First and foremost, soil test. If you have not done so for this year, please consider obtaining the soil test now. This soil test is the first step in efficient fertilizer use and improved forage production. Samples should be collected annually for hay meadows and every two to three years for pastures. For soil test forms and bags, contact your local county extension office. Warm season perennial grasses such as bahia grass or Bermuda grass green up when nighttime temperatures remain above 60 degrees Fahrenheit for several days in the spring and the soil temperature reaches 65 degrees at the 4 inch depth. For Bermuda grass or bahia grass to utilize any fertilizer, it should be applied after green up and as active growth begins. Applying any fertilizer prior to this results in the utilization of nutrients by any volunteer ryegrass and or any cool season broadleaf weeds. Usually the most limiting nutrient in Bermuda grass production is nitrogen. Proper nitrogen fertilization is associated with improved shoot and root growth, stress tolerance, resiliency, and protein content. For good nitrogen nutrition and timely harvest, crude protein levels will usually range from 12 to 14 percent in Bermuda grass. The optimum nitrogen rate for a situation is dependent upon a producer's goals. Proper balance of nitrogen with phosphorus, potassium, and other nutrients is important in maximizing nitrogen use efficiency. Bermuda grass removes relatively large amounts of phosphate and potash when harvested for hay. Bermuda grass hay removes 14 pounds of phosphate and 42 pounds of potash per ton of hay produced. Phosphorus is vital for developing a healthy root system and reaching optimum yield. Potassium is essential in plants to combat diseases and aid in water use. Deficiencies of potassium can cause both yield losses and stand losses. Bermuda grass is especially sensitive to potassium deficiencies. Many producers have lost Bermuda grass fields as a result of a potassium deficiency. One of the most important factors affecting the quality, yield, and stand longevity of Bermuda grass is fertility. Hybrid Bermuda grass can remove relatively large quantities of nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and other nutrients from the soil. Fertilization based on soil test and plant removal prevents depletion of soil nutrients and helps ensure high Bermuda grass yields and good quality forage when sufficient water is available for optimum production. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. A highly contagious fatal rabbit disease has been found in a wild rabbit in the Texas Hill Country. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And scours and respiratory disease are the top two dangers for dairy calves. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. 
We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Scours and respiratory disease are the top two dangers for dairy calves. So what's the third highest risk? Dr. Bob Judd says it may surprise you. The third most likely problem affecting dairy calves is an umbilical infection. Dr. Dave Renaud and Dr. Matthias Whalen from Ontario Veterinary College indicated at bovineveterinarian.com that umbilical infections in dairy calves are the most underdiagnosed disease in dairy calves, especially in the first two weeks of life. These infections cause an increased death rate, reduce survival through the first lactation, and reduce rate of gain, so even if the calves survive, they have significant long-term effects. The bacteria can spread through the bloodstream into joints, lungs, kidneys, and other organs, leading to septicemia or blood poisoning, and arthritis. Calves with an umbilical infection are twice as likely to die as those without the infection, but the percentage of calves diagnosed with the disease ranges from 1 to 34%. In Canada, treatment records show only 3% of the calves are treated for umbilical infection, as the producer must feel the umbilicus to determine if it's enlarged, and you have to feel a lot of them to know what normal feels like to find an abnormal one. Also, if any heat, moisture, discharge, or pain is noted, an infection is likely. For this reason, it is a good idea to examine the umbilicus of all baby calves. Prevention of umbilical infection centers around keeping the bedding clean and maternity pens and making sure all calves get colostrum. Dr. Whalen recommends using iodine-based navel dips, but 2% chlorhexidine dips are actually more effective, as this works in the presence of organic matter. Just fill a paper Dixie cup with two ounces of dip and hold it against the calf's navel while shaking it to ensure adequate coverage. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A highly contagious fatal rabbit disease has been found in Texas. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. A highly contagious viral rabbit disease that is nearly always fatal has spread from far west Texas into the hill country. This week, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department confirmed the eastward expansion of rabbit hemorrhagic disease virus 2, or RHDV2, in Gillespie County, which is west of Austin and southeast of Junction. It is the first case of RHDV2 found in wild rabbits in the Texas hill country. The virus was first found in dead rabbits in El Paso, Terra, Brewster and Reeves counties. TPWD reports it continues to receive and respond to reports of sick or dead rabbits. They're asking those who see wild rabbits that are dead or sick to contact a TPWD biologist so they may be tested. RHD can affect both wild and domestic rabbits, including hares, jackrabbits, and cottontails of all ages. It is nearly always fatal. It is not known to affect humans, livestock, or pets. However, pets should not be allowed to consume dead animal carcasses. Often, the only clinical sign of the disease is sudden death. However, in less acute cases, symptoms may include dullness or apathy, not eating, 
bleeding from the nose and eyes, or watery, congested eyes. Some infected rabbits may also exhibit neurological signs like incoordination, excitement, or seizure-like episodes. The virus is spread between rabbits easily through direct contact with an infected rabbit or carcass. Infected meat, fur, food, water, insects, and materials or objects, including humans' clothes and shoes, may also spread the virus. The virus can persist in the environment for a very long time. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle markets moved higher Thursday while the grain markets dropped lower. We'll check out all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Both live and feeder cattle ended higher Thursday, getting a big boost from a drop in grain prices. More on that in a bit, but first, here's how the cattle market shook out Thursday. February live cattle up 25 cents, 165.15. The April up 25, 165.32, while June live cattle were up 17, 161.27. Triple-digit gains in the feeder market, getting support from those lower corn prices. March feeders up $1.25, 189.22. The April up $1.92, 193.67. While May feeders were up 210, 197.72. Cash fed cattle market seeing some light trade this week. Earlier in the week, we saw some live trade up north at 161 to 164. Then on Thursday, we sold some cattle here in Texas. Not a lot, but we did sell some cattle at 164. That is two bucks higher compared to last week. Boxed beef continues to climb higher. Choice up another 63 cents, 288.54. Select up 284 at 276.48. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Gary Butler sells cattle and Nixon every Monday. Gary, how'd this Monday sale go? Uh, Larry, we wound up with 1,042, uh, 135 cows and 27 bulls. Uh, the cab market continues to be strong, Larry. Uh, a lot of $2 cans and better. Uh, and also the cows and bulls is just the same. Uh, two and three weight steers, $1.82 to two sixty-five. Heifers, $1.41 to two fifteen. Three and four weight steers, $1.97 to two seventy-five. Heifers, $1.65 to two sixty. Four and five weight steers, $1.92 to two sixty-five. Heifers, $1.64 to two thirteen. Five and six weight steers, $1.80 to two forty. Heifers, $1.56 to two thirty-three. Six and seven weight steers, $1.67 to two ten. The heifers, $1.45 to $1.73. Seven and eight weight steers, bull yearlings, $1.53 to $1.76. And the heifers, $1.40 to $1.62. The <coughs> cow deal, the best cow, we got $1.14 for. Uh, Slar bulls, uh, $86 to $1.21. Uh, stock cows, 
500 to 1100 and we had a few pairs about very many larry 1250 to 1390. what do you imagine this next sale being like gary well larry i didn't know i didn't think we'd have a thousand uh monday but we did i imagine we're gonna have that 700 to a thousand somewhere in that neighborhood these cattle are, are really high and uh, these these people are going to go ahead and, and bring them to town while the market is like it is. Good deal. Tell everybody how to contact you for Monday sale, Gary Butler. You can catch us here at the sale barn, 830-582-1561-62. Catch me on the mobile, 830-857-4330. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished mixed in Thursday's trade. The nearby April was down 35 cents, 86.20. May hogs up 20 cents, 95.95. Class 3 milk continues to drift lower. February milk down a penny, 17.87 a hundredweight, while March milk was down four at 17.76 a hundred. The cotton market made some slight gains in Thursday's market. May cotton up 28 points at 82.16, July up 11, 82.63, with new crop December cotton up 14 points, 82.22. The big news in the markets on Thursday was USDA's Outlook Forum. Each year at that Outlook Forum, USDA gives some preliminary numbers as far as planted acreage is concerned. And on Thursday, they released an estimate for corn acreage this year at 91 million acres. That is up 2.5 million from last year. And that caused a big drop in the corn market. March corn down 13 and three quarters at 660 and a quarter. May corn down 15, 659 and a quarter. With September corn down seven and three quarters, $6 even. USDA also increased their wheat acreage estimate. They're pegging it now at 49.5 million acres. That is up 3.5 million from last year. As a result, hard wheat took a big drop. March Kansas City wheat down 14 and a quarter, 861 and three quarters. New crop July wheat down 10 at 851 a bushel. July Chicago wheat was down only a quarter cent, 756 and a quarter. In the energy markets, March natural gas up 14 cents, 231. April crude oil up a dollar fifty, 75.45 a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher Thursday afternoon. The Dow up 111 points, 33,156. The Nasdaq up 83 at 11,590. The S&P up 21 at 4,012. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.